0: It's really, it's really great to be back. I hope you've had a, a nice uh, Christmas time, and um, we can we can get into the new year together. How's that? Uh, and we are only a few days away from a very special day that we like to commemorate every year. Yes, it's nearly January the eighth. <laughs> January the 8th, 2010, has been called by many the Internet's happiest day because it was on this day that uh, Paul Vasquez, who you might also know by his YouTube name, YosemiteBear62, shared this wonderful video with the world. Whoa, that's a full rainbow all the way double rainbow, oh my god it's a double rainbow all the way whoa, that's so intense whoa man wow whoa. whoa 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 oh my god oh my god oh my god whoa oh, oh wow oh Oh my God! Look at that! It's starting to even look like a triple rainbow. Oh my God! It's full on, double rainbow all the way across the sky. Oh my God! I'm going to leave it there because uh, you, you get the idea, and I mean it goes on for another two minutes or so. But it's basically just him sobbing, tears of joy. So you can watch it yourself. But this this video became amazingly popular Um, and because so many people just resonated with the pure joy uh, of of this this person. Here is someone who saw something so beautiful that it overtook him and all he wanted to do was just invite others to share in his joy. What Anna and Eve um, read to us just now, the first psalm, is also an invitation to come and see something incredibly beautiful. And when we see it, uh, maybe we'll also ask, what does that mean? Uh, Let's start by praying. God, our merciful, loving Father, help us today as we reflect on your words and your promises. And we ask that you would show us something of yourself that will change the way that we see you and the way that we see ourselves as we look into the things that you are planning for us and for this world. Amen. So the Psalms that we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks, they're a collection of poems and songs. Um, Eve really wanted me to sing it to you. Um, So, no, that's 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 not going to end well. (laughs) Um, But a really good place to start is just to open these up and, and look at some of the pictures that they paint for us and see what stands out. So we read in Psalm 1, and it begins and ends with this image of paths. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked... For the Lord watches over the way of the the righteous, but the way of the the wicked leads to destruction. You've got people walking and, and they're traveling somewhere, and there are different people traveling in different ways. And then the imagery shifts, and we're no longer looking at paths, but plants. You've got this tree planted by the water, and it stays green through all kinds of weather, and it grows good fruit at just the right time. This is not some magic special tree, it's, it's just doing what you would hope any tree would do, right? But when you see it, it's undeniably good for a tree to grow fruit. It brings life to everything around it. And then in contrast to that tree, you've got another kind of plant uh, which looks good, um, and it seems to be growing, but then when it's time to harvest, you pick it and open it up to get the fruit. There's nothing there. It's just an empty husk. It's worthless. And when the wind picks up, you know, the tree might sway a bit, but the chaff just blows away. It's gone. So that's what we see in Psalm 1. There's two paths and two plants. One leading to life and flourishing and the other moving in the exact opposite direction. Disappointment. Unraveling. We look at this picture of people travelling along the path and wonder, where are they going? What are they looking for? And that is a key to understanding this whole song. It's in the first words. Blessed is the one. These people, they're all searching for blessing, for happiness, success, for a full and fruitful life. This is not talking about some cherry on the top kind of blessing. This is everything. It's the difference between life and death. Because happiness is what we were made for. We were made to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Or as John Piper likes to say, to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. We were made for happiness. And you may have known someone, or you might have experienced this yourself, who has so given up on the possibility of ever feeling happy again. Uh, And this is one of the darkest and deadliest places we may ever tread. Because we are made for happiness. And we spend all our lives seeking it in one way or another. To use uh, some more poetic language that the Bible gives us, you could even say that everyone spends their life trying to create their own little Eden paradise their own heaven on earth. Everyone wants that kind of happiness and success and they rightly want it to never end. But there is a big problem because in our quest to create our own little heaven on earth, we all too often, in the process, create hell on earth for others. You know what I'm talking about let's be honest, sometimes it's even on purpose. We just think I want that, I don't care what you want. Uh, But more often, it's in those times when we have the ability and the resources to ease someone else's misery but we choose to ignore them and just focus on our own needs instead. And the absolute tragedy of that is that it just poisons what happiness we have if we ever stop long enough to think about people suffering somewhere else that we could have helped. And it hardens our hearts when we finally succeed in ignoring them. And a lot of this, I think, is fueled by our fear which sets us in competition with each other. Let me give an example. Anna and I have two... Beautiful daughters, Eve and Nora, and most of the time they adore each other. But other times, not so much. Sometimes they fight. And quite often the fight starts because one of them thinks that the other one is going to make them miss out on something good. Like, there's two of us and only one of that thing, so I better get in there first. They're just being normal kids. Like, that's natural impulse. And for Anna and I, as parents, a lot of our energy just goes into trying to convince them, hey, look around. Neither of you is going to miss out. And there will be plenty for everyone if we just share what we have. But of course, when I say those words to them, I can't ignore the way that it pricks my own conscience. How many of my decisions are coming from that same place of feeling the need to compete or protect my own interests? See, I'm not picking on my kids here. They're just being normal. This is something that we all do. This drive to compete with each other, to secure our share of the world's limited resources, isn't that why countries go to war? Isn't that why some countries must watch their children die from empty stomachs while countries like this one fill our dumpsters with food every day? We're not doing that to be cruel. It's just that somehow we've come to the conclusion that this is what works best for us. We look at it and we say, yeah, that's that's not good, but... It's the lesser of two evils. The song of Psalm 1 is inviting us to see things in a new way that will challenge us in this thinking, in a way that can renew our hardened hearts to free us from the slavery of always feeling that pressure to compete or to settle for the lesser of two evils. Because what is the solution? How do we find... Happiness that will last without poisoning the world in the process. Well, we look at Psalm 1 and we see something really surprising. See, out of all these people doing various things to find blessing, the one who receives the blessing hasn't actually done anything to earn it. Blessed is the one who delights. So you only delight in something and it's already been done. This is not a story about someone who did all the right things and made all the right decisions and followed all the right religious rituals. This is a story of someone who has received the grace of God and found there a source of delight that never runs dry and that can never be taken from them. Everything has been done. Now, all that there is Remaining is to enjoy and to respond in joy. And there's something else surprising here, or well, it surprised me. It's, it's what this person is delighting in. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law they meditate day and night. Like I get... The delight bit, that sounds nice. But what's going on with delighting in the law and meditating on it? It sounds weird and religiousy, doesn't it? Like, when I was a uni student, um, I often rode my bike into the city, and one day I was in a rush to get to a class, and as I pulled up to an intersection, I quickly unclipped my helmet and then braked to a stop and jumped off and began to chain the bike up. Unfortunately, a policeman was standing there and he saw me unclip my helmet before coming to a complete stop and he handed me a fine on the spot. And I tell you, my delight was not in the law (laughs) on that day. Though it did lead me into some fairly deep meditations, (laughs) but I'm not going to repeat any of the thoughts of those particular meditations for you. Because the thing we need to remember is that this song is not talking about any old law. This is God's law. When Moses led God's people out of slavery, God gave them this law as a sign that they belonged to him so that by following it, they would be a model showing all the nations around what he was like, how different he was. And after Moses came Joshua, and listen to what God says as he is about to bring the people into the land of the promise. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, we read the words of God. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. God is saying, I'm giving you this law so that you will know what I'm like and how much I desire to bless you no matter what. And hundreds of years later, the author of Psalm 1 quoted these words because he saw that these instructions were not only for them, but for him too, and and for us too. Because God's laws are not like our laws. Human laws of our government are there to essentially restrict freedom. And they're backed up by the threat of punishment or imprisonment. God's laws are made to bring prisoners into freedom and they're backed up by his promise. Like, read the Ten Commandments. Love God who brought you out of slavery, do not murder, do not steal. You know know them. These are not the demands of some divine dictator. They are there to spur our imagination and hope in his creative, redeeming power of what the world could be like. Our laws say, do not murder or you'll be punched. God's law says, do not murder because I'm making a world where life goes on forever. There's no place for death there. To look into God's law and meditate on it, to fill our minds with thoughts of what that world will be like, of what he is like, this is to peer into the very dreams of God. This is something that fills us with delight because we know that if God promises it, it's as good as done. And I think we should take just a few minutes now to do what the song says. To meditate on God's law as expressed through the Ten Commandments he gave to Moses. And just try to imagine what kind of world the creator of the universe has promised to bring about. This new world is a place where the Creator and the creation are in perfect harmony, where even the lowest, least powerful, or least significant person is in the closest personal relationship with God. This is a place where people are finally free to enjoy all the good things in the world without becoming obsessed or enslaved by them. This is a world where people never use their abilities or power to manipulate others, but they use them for the good of others. This is a world of rest and abundance, where your security and happiness depend not on your ability to compete for resources, but on your willingness to receive a gift. This is a world where human relationships are renewed, where promises once made, are never broken, but always honored and remembered and cherished. Where people are motivated by love rather than by threats or violence. See, in this world, there is no place for entitlement. This is a world where neither you or I, where no one on earth deserves to live or can earn their way into. And yet, to anyone who is willing acknowledge before God their own undeservingness they find that they are welcomed into God's dream to be a part of it that this has been their true home all along their true home that their hearts have been longing for all this time thank you God that you would make such beautiful promises of blessing to us We need to allow ourselves to be challenged um, by this vision of God's world every time we see that our world is not this way. It's easy to lose sight of though, isn't it? We're going to need to sink deep roots down into God's dreams and into the sureness of God's promises if we're going to last through the kind of weather that is heading our way. Because there will be times when we will doubt whether God really could deliver on his promise of something so wonderful. And that is why hundreds of years after Psalm 1 was written, came Jesus speaking this message to the crowds. Everyone, I have good news. God's kingdom is here. The, the world that God has been dreaming about, that he promised you he was bringing, it's finally here. And Jesus' disciples, who followed him everywhere and saw what he did, they were profoundly affected by what they saw because it was like everywhere that Jesus went, this new world of blessing just sprung up into existence. You know, the slaves were freed, the, the hungry were fed, the physically broken restored, the guilt ridden forgiven. Even the dead brought back to life by a word from his mouth. In Matthew chapter 5, we read that Jesus said these words, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus fulfilled the law not simply because he perfectly kept the law, but because the law was about him. Here, is the walking, talking, dream of God come true that the law had foreshadowed so long ago. Jesus, who has invited you and me into his new covenant promise, a promise backed by his blood shed on the cross and resurrection from the dead, he has done every last thing that was needed to secure you, to provide for you, to forgive you to bless you. There's nothing left that you ever need to compete for or to hide from. It's all done. Jesus has done it. You might ask the question, how much does God want this world that he's dreaming of? What length is he prepared to go to to make sure that it comes about and that you and I are able to enter into it and enjoy it with him. Well, Hebrews 12 gives us an idea of how far God is willing to go. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Because Jesus knew that God was bringing about the restoration of the world through him, and he knew that he was bringing us into it to enjoy it. This is what motivated him. Let that sink in. Meditate on that. It was not through gritted teeth that Jesus marched towards his public humiliation and execution. It was with a heart overflowing with joy. Because he knew this was how he was going to bring you and I out of slavery into the beautiful land of promise and if you ever worry that you don't deserve God's blessing to live in his good world forever be encouraged because in this you have just made the grade it it is for the undeserving Jesus fulfills Psalm 1 as he invites us into a blessing that cannot be earned by what we do. It's only received by delighting in what he has done. Jesus invites us to share in his joy, believing in God's promises, because then we will no longer be enslaved by our drive to compete or to protect our interests. The way to the blessing is not a path. It's a person. Jesus is the way. And through him, through following him, we are finally free to put the needs of others ahead of our own, inviting others to share in this great joy of his promise. Then, we will no longer be left grasping fake fruit that blows away in the wind, but we will share in the joy of of the true spiritual fruit that God has made us to enjoy with him. Let's pray. God, these promises that you have made to us are so amazing. This world you have promised to bring about is is too wonderful for words. Can this really be true? We acknowledge that there is no way we deserve to receive your promises or your blessing. We acknowledge that our attempts to create heaven on earth for ourselves has done so much more damage than good. Help us, merciful God, to fix our eyes on Jesus because in him we see the sure reality of your promises of a true, untainted heaven on earth. And we stand in awe that he has done everything needed to free us and to lead us into this blessing. Thank you. Thank you that there is nothing left for us to do, only to share in the joy of our great servant king, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Josh. I wonder, uh, just a brilliantly handled um, message from Psalm 1, but I wonder as Josh was just explaining the nature of that psalm and just the joy found in a certain path, in being a certain tree, if in your heart arose in you the kind of feeling that uh, Billy Bear Brown 62 had, whatever his name was, as he saw a part of God's creation which is on display to make Him great, but then to realise that that God actually offers to us something even more incredible, a, a life in Him, a relationship with Him where He is making all things new, where He is bringing all good things to us, that we could consider that God has made us for joy and to know joy.